Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. It, it was fascinating reading the, the papers because you've got all these stories flying back and forth about what was going on in the colonies, and some of what was appearing in the papers was true and some of it wasn't. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Greg Aaron talking about the political gambit of Lord Dartmouth, and he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by West Home Publishing, publishers of Noble Volunteers, The British Soldiers Who Fought the American Revolution by Don N. Haggist, with a foreword by Rick Atkinson. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is friend of the show and returning guest, Greg Aaron talking about the political gambit, calculation, and maybe failure of Lord Dartmouth in the early stages of the American Revolution. You know, when we think about the revolutionary period, we always like to talk about the military side of things, and we often don't think about the political side of things, very real political concerns that affected the outcome of the war dramatically. We really, however, don't like to think about the British political side of things. And Greg Aaron's article on Lord Dartmouth is a good reminder of what we might be missing when we consider these things, or fail to consider them in some cases. Lord Dartmouth is not a bad guy, not by, I think, any stretch of imagination, and I think he did have good intentions Uh, when considering his role as Secretary of State in the greater context of the British Empire. But in North America, he'll be a reviled figure in many cases uh, because of the actions that he took and and the violence that occurred as a result. So think about these things while we talk to our guest today, Greg Aaron. Enjoy. Greg Aaron, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Brady. Good to be with you. Tell us about your background. Well, I live here in Philadelphia, and I'm a member of the uh, Pennsylvania Historical Society. Um, Among other things, I'm a private investigator, and so looking into uh, history is is very much like being an investigator. You have to look deep to, uh, to find the truth. What first drew your interest into this topic? I was actually looking for something else entirely. I was looking in um, old British newspapers uh, for something else, but I came across a poem, and it turned out that this poem actually was part of a bigger story about how the revolution got started and then the consequences it had for the people involved. Could you talk a bit about Lord Dartmouth's background? Lord Dartmouth was a nobleman in Great Britain, and he came from a very wealthy and influential family. 
And he became the Secretary of State for the Colonies uh, before the American Revolution started. And, and that basically meant that he was the person in the cabinet responsible for the colonies. So it was an important position. And as it happened, um, his stepbrother was the prime minister of England. So he was part of the cabinet also supporting his stepbrother. How does Dartmouth become secretary of state? And I think for some clarification, what exactly does the secretary of state do? Well, the the position was created, um, I think, around 1768, specifically to deal with the American colonies, because they were starting to become a little unruly. Um, And this was also after uh, England and France had had fought a war with each other, basically for the colonies. That was the French and Indian War. And... It was it was a it was an important job, but it was also a, a difficult job to do because the British were trying to manage the colonies from three thousand miles away, and it usually took a ship about six weeks to get across the Atlantic. So, whenever you got news, it was already old news, and if you sent um, orders or messages back to the colonies you didn't know what was going to happen for a while. And a lot of people thought that Lord Dartmouth was a, was a good man. He was an honest man. He was a, he was a pious man, but a lot of people also didn't think that he had a lot of administrative ability. So uh, England is casting about for ways to deal with the colonies. And, the, and and there are more of these protests happening in the early 1770s in the colonies. People are starting to feel that the colonies are drifting away and getting very restive. And Lord Dartmouth is responsible for trying to keep a lid on things, but he's also having to deal with this time delay. He's having to deal with the king, who is not really feeling like he he wants to give the the colonists much slack. And Britain starts a a series of crackdowns, uh, additional taxes, um, constricting the ability of the the colonial assemblies to um, govern themselves. And into the 1770s, things start to drift towards disaster, and Lord Dartmouth is at the center of it, and he's he's being buffeted sometimes by forces that he can't control. What was his initial strategy for dealing with an increasingly rebellious Massachusetts? Well, as as as, as things drift towards revolution. He and and the rest of the government are kind of throwing some things up against the wall to see what works. On, on one hand, they say, well, we need to have a firm hand, and so we need to show the colonies who's boss, and we will uh, restrict their trade, we will impose some taxes, we will get them to pay attention to us. On the other hand, most people... In, in Great Britain and in the government don't want trouble. They don't really want war, and Dartmouth doesn't either. And so he also tries some some steps at, at 
reconciliation. At one point, he enters into a secret um, negotiation with Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin had been living in London and was kind of the most famous American, and of course he had great diplomatic skills. And Lord Dartmouth talks with Franklin about trying to pull the colonies back from the brink of rebellion. But at the same time, Dartmouth feels like he has to prepare for war. He thinks about how he can uh, raise uh, troops from uh, loyal um, American colonists, for example. He's trying to try everything, and nothing is working. Talk about the orders that Dartmouth gave to Thomas Gage. Yeah, so, so Dartmouth, among other things, in early 1775, he has to go to Parliament where he's, he's been a member of the House of Lords, and he has to give a briefing about what's going on in the colonies. And, and some of the, uh, the members of Parliament say that, you know, they're, they're making things look too rosy. They're not giving enough intelligence to the lawmakers about what's really happening in, in the colonies and how bad it's getting. And, and so he's kind of stung by that, evidently. And so a week later, he issues uh, secret orders and puts them on a ship to General Gage. General Gage is in Boston, and he is the commander-in-chief of the British Army in the colonies, and he's also serving as the governor of Massachusetts. And Dartmouth is also aware of what King George wants. King George III is not really looking for reconciliation. He just wants to kind of maintain control of the colonies. And and King George likes Dartmouth. So Dartmouth makes a big decision. He, he writes this set of orders to Gage, and he tells Gage to arrest and imprison the principal actors in Massachusetts. So that would mean arresting people like Sam Adams and John Hancock. And so, and he also says you should uh, take away any arms uh, that the rebels are stockpiling in Boston. So it's very clear what Dartmouth is telling Gage to do. Now at the end of the uh, orders, though, the letter says, though, something which is kind of has two faces to it. Dartmouth says, It is understood, however, after all this that I have said, that this matter must be left up to your own discretion to be executed or not, as you shall. So on one hand, he's being really clear, go do these things, crack down. But on the other hand, Dartmouth is being a real politician here. He's saying... You know what? If Gage messes up, I have deniability. Um, this is a, a, a wonderful piece of bureaucratic butt covering. <laughs> so <laughs> the letter goes off, and Gage gets it sometime later in April. And he immediately, like a good soldier, does put a plan into action. And he sends troops out to Concord, west of Boston, because he knows that arms are being uh, hidden out in Concord. So his forces uh, on the way to Concord march through Lexington, and there they encounter uh, the local militia assembled on the green. 
because everyone has been warned along the whole route that the British are coming. And we don't know who fired the first shot there at Lexington, but uh, the the colonists uh, uh, take fire from the British for sure, and several of the militiamen are killed, and the war erupts into fighting for the very first time. And um, Gage isn't there either. He's back in Boston. He's so. Dartmouth is trusting Gage, and Gage is trusting his commander out in the field, and uh, these orders go horribly wrong. In your article, you use uh, very plain language, modern language, to say that Dartmouth will throw Gage under the bus. Uh, How does he do that? Well, you know, things uh, get even worse after after Lexington and Concord. The the British lose... Uh, 250 men at Lexington and Concord, and then the the colonial forces surround Boston. Engage uh, decides eventually he's going to have to take one of their positions, which is at Bunker Hill, and the troops do that. But the British lose another thousand men. So Gage rides back to Dartmouth, and Dartmouth immediately fires Gage sends a letter and replaces him with new generals. And Dartmouth, you know, used that deniability. He said, it's Gage's fault. I told him to be careful. And um, there were also other people in the government who weren't enchanted with Gage's uh, performance. Gage had been in the colonies for 10 years. He, He kind of had a feel for what was going on there but he was following orders, and he got canned for it. Talk about what the public advertiser publishes about Dartmouth. So Dartmouth is now on the hot seat because he's responsible for the colonies, which have have exploded into, into rebellion. And in this newspaper article, we have this anonymous poem we we don't know who wrote it, but it's making fun of Dartmouth. And who knows, maybe it was placed there by one of his political enemies. Um, just as people use the press now uh, to make their political points and get back at their political enemies, so people did it back then too. And so this poem would have been seen. Uh, this, this paper actually specialized in politics, so all the politicians in London were reading it. And it's this poem called An Ode Addressed to the Earl of Dartmouth, and it's a really nasty, sarcastic poem. And in it, it's, it likens the colonies to a horse that Dartmouth just couldn't tame and uh, really just goes on and on, uh, making fun of him. And the end of the poem is this. Stubborn Yankees, let alone, they hurl defiance at the throne, and all your schemes unsettle. To mark your act with, mo- to mark your act with more disgrace, they fling their teapots in your face and scald you with the kettle. So after about uh, 10 days after this, Dartmouth decides that he's had enough. 
and he resigns his position as Secretary of State for the colonies. Um, his his heart certainly wasn't in it. He didn't want war, and uh, he took up kind of a, a ceremonial position in the cabinet so he could uh, continue to to serve um, his stepbrother. But it was a ceremonial position that kept him away from um, any decision making about the war. And so the the public and the private pressure did him in as well. How does Gage respond? What happens to him after this affair? Well, uh, General Gage got recalled, and he he was evidently uh, you know spent some time being uh, questioned about what had happened in the colonies and debriefed. And Gage, in the end said, you know, I I think in the end that the, the colonists just got the better of us. They 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 had a plan and and um got in the end what they wanted. And and uh he he was also uh, you know kind of a victim in all this I think. Uh he had served well for ten years um and um in the end, the, the, these two men kind of slid into private life. Dartmouth um, continued to serve in the cabinet until the end of the war, and the end of the war brought down his, his stepbrother's government, and he retired uh, to his uh, country estate. What did this story reveal to us about the Revolutionary Era? It, it was fascinating reading the, the papers because you've got all these stories flying back and forth about what was going on in the colonies, and some of what was appearing in the papers was true, and some of it wasn't. Um, there were all kinds of rumors uh, flying around, and, and again, it was due to that uh, time gap, uh, the weeks that it took to cross the ocean and bring news back and forth. And in, in some ways, this is, it's also very modern what was happening. Politicians operate the same way uh, today as they did back then. They, they try to curry favor with their superiors. Um, they try to avoid blame when they can. Uh, they use the press to their advantage. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating to read these old papers and and see that the you know we we sometimes think the British tabloids are 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 kind of mean and nasty sometimes. Well, they were at least as mean and nasty back then. Greg Aaron, thank you for joining us. It's been my pleasure, Brady. Thanks very much for having me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.